0: All right. Let's go ahead and, and get started with our Sunday school this morning. Remember we're in Romans chapter four, but let's let's open with a, a word of prayer. Father, I thank you uh, this morning for the blessings that we have, and again the opportunity that we have in this nation to be able to share your word and, and in such a way that we don't have to fear reprisal. We pray for those throughout this world that do have those situations. We know there are. Our Christians, this very moment, we can face death for teaching this truth. May we always be thankful in this nation, at least while we can, of these freedoms that we have. We pray for our leaders. We pray that they would bend the knee to you, God. They would understand the truth of who you are and of your word. So, Father, as we as we open up this study this morning, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word as it truly is, your word, the word of God and not the word of man. Father, I just pray that as I teach, that um, I teach it in truth. It's my desire to bring you glory and honor. And, Father, that we can share the truth of salvation regarding Jesus Christ with all. I pray this all in his name. Amen. All right, Romans chapter four. We uh, we left off in verse thirteen, and uh, if you recall, the last uh, well, this chapter in particular, Paul has been dealing with justification uh, by faith without works. Again, which is a new concept on the table. Uh, we we send we tend to think that that's always been the case. Well. It's always been the case that it's by faith, that's for sure, and as we'll learn and and talk about later, is the Jews kind of got mixed up, and and even though they had to have faith plus works, they kind of forgot the faith part and started to rely just on the works. And so, Paul is is pointing out, he used Abraham as an example, and uh, talked about how Abraham was justified by faith without works. And so, we spent quite a bit of time talking about that, and then he... Then he dealt with um, David. So in the first five verses of chapter 4, it's Abraham was saved by faith without works. And then he goes into David. Even though he was under law, he was also justified by faith without works. And that can get a little bit um, complicated if if you don't look at the details of it. Uh, Just keep in mind that Abraham, his justification was obtained by faith. He was declared righteous before any circumcision was, was involved. He himself was never under the law. He did eventually have to perform the work of circ- circumcision, but he was declared righteous in Genesis 15, and that was simply by believing God. So Abraham is uh, what we see is justification obtained by faith, and David demonstrates that once justified, it is not works that maintains our justification. So once justified, this ought to be a reminder to some That once justified, it is not works that are going to maintain justification And so we have to understand that we are created unto good works We are to do good works those, those, are, those are given God expects us to do good works But you can't buy justification And once you have it, you cannot keep it by works Which is a good thing, because if you have to keep it by works, then you lose assurance. And Paul is going to talk about assurance here in this this section here. I, for one, don't want to have to earn my salvation through works, and I don't want to have to try to keep my salvation based upon works. And Paul is going to make the case that it's better that it's by faith through grace. Does that make sense? I hope you feel the same way, that, it, that that's, that's what we want. And so in verses 9 through 10, um, Paul points out that the blessings came to Abraham before circumcision. And so that is, that is a big deal. It, it, he got it before circumcision came, and that's very, very important for us to understand. And, and part of that is is because whenever we talk about different things, even what we're going to be talking about later in, in the message, And God does things, his timing is for a reason. He doesn't just say, hey, you know, this sounds good, let's do this today. God came to Abraham and he declared him righteous in scripture 2,000 years before Christ came, roughly, by faith, apart from works, that timing for a reason. And then circumcision was added. And we know this because Paul's going to use the example that it was perfect timing that he did this. And so what we'll be looking at today is is, is, is obviously how um, um, all of these things come to be. But understand that God's timing uh, matters on all of these events. It's not a mistake. In Genesis chapter 17 is whenever the circumcision gets added. And you can go back there and read that. That's verses 7 through 14. That's whenever... God institutes the the, the the token covenant of circumcision to Israel to um, I'm sorry Abraham. Well, keep in mind it was 14 years before that in Genesis 15 that God declared Abraham righteous. 14 years, and it's not by mistake that He did it in that timing, in that order. God does things in the order uh, for a reason, and so what we can conclude. Through verses 9 and 10 is that circumcision had nothing to do with Abraham's justification. Nothing to do with it. Well that comes to be a big issue. Paul is dealing with those of the circumcision who tend to think that salvation is of the circumcision. Now at one point it was. Jesus himself even said that salvation is of the Jews right and the Jews are the circumcision. But Paul is pointing out here that, well, wait a minute—that Abraham's our father by faith, and that was before circumcision. And so, as we're going to see to, uh, this morning, is that actually um, what Paul is establishing is there's there's two lines from Abraham. Some make the mistake and they want to try to make us part of the line of Israel, have us replace the nation of Israel by because he talks about how he's our father, and somehow we, you know, this replacement theology, which which does not work, and so. Which we'll we'll talk about that in a minute, and so Paul has shown that righteousness is imputed apart from circumcision, and will now he's going to now move that it's imputed apart from the law. We tend to think of the two as um, you know the same thing, but keep in mind circumcision came 400 plus years before the law did, and so he's shown that it's not through circumcision, and now he's going to show that it's it's not through the law. All right. Verses, let's pick up here in verse uh, 13. Verse 13, we'll read 13 through 16. It says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law works wrath. For where... No law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, and not that only which is of the law. Notice that. Not to only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And so, we know from Hebrews chapter 11... That it without faith it's impossible to what please God. please God which means it should it should tell us that throughout history it's always been with faith right whenever whenever works were involved and, and let's let's not forget works were involved we we, we don't want to you know we, we don't want to change what the word of God is saying here Paul says it's no longer of works trust me If a Jew who had the law Said you know what I don't think I'm going to make my sacrifices this year You know That would be them not showing faith They had to do the works And so whenever God said You had to do something You had to do it And so it was faith plus works And so um, we We have to understand that Without faith it's impossible to please God And so there was a necessity at one time to do to do works, but not today. Uh, that's not the case. But you had to do the works. You had to you had to do the works if there was a requirement. When Mark sixteen sixteen, 16 says, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved," you can't say, "Well, I believe Jesus is the Messiah, and I'm not going to get baptized." You had to do it. Did you have your hand up? Tom? Yeah, but keep in mind Paul's context here is is the, the the Mosaic law. But keep in mind, I mean, it essentially was a law because when God told them, don't do this, but go do this. If God says, don't eat of this tree and you eat of the tree, you broke his commandment. And, and, and keep in mind, it wasn't just one requirement there. It was the requirement to don't eat of this tree and go do the be fruitful and multiply. People have a tendency to forget that. That was that was an expectation. It's also one of the reasons why I don't believe they were in the garden for 300 years before they sinned, because there was no children born during the garden. And so they would have been they would have been already disobeying God had they not had children for the first hundred plus years. That just they would have already been disobeying God. And so yeah, in the garden there was that commandment. And obviously once they once they and that we're going to be talking about Genesis later today because of our topic our text from second Timothy our first Timothy today and, and so just keep in mind that whenever whenever Adam when Adam sinned Adam's the one that brought sin in the world when you look at the picture of what's actually t- took place there um, Eve Eve was the one who was deceived Satan came to her and she was deceived but Adam willfully did what he did it was an act of rebellion in, in in many ways, without going too far into that subject, ultimately what it's saying there is that Adam chose Eve over God. Adam chose to do what Eve invited him to do versus do what God had told him to do. And I don't want to speculate too much because there's not a whole lot of text that gives us, but we we see clearly that it was Adam willfully obeyed, she was deceived. And so by him willfully deceiving, that means he knew what he was doing he wasn't supposed to be doing. And he broke it. So a little bit different situation. But yeah, here in our text, um, we see that it's without... That it's by faith. It's not by works. Like we said in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. And I would say, how many of the problems in our personal lives, how many problems in the church would be done away with if we only believed God without wavering? Now ponder that for a moment. How many of our personal problems or how many problems in the church are because... We don't have faith in God without wavering, and and I think that um, I think we would find that a lot of a lot of our problems are are self inflicted wounds, and so. But without without faith, it's, you're not going to please God, and I've said this for many many years. Val um, Val can probably attest to. There's probably very few things that I've said in my life that were very wise. And and this being one of those. God wants how many things from us? And he wants everything else for us. When God says don't do something, it's because he knows what's better for us. So he wants us to have faith whenever he says, hey, don't go do that. And we trust him like a child should trust their parent that says, hey, don't cross the street without somebody holding your hand. And so God wants us to have faith in him. And so when God, has, when God tells man to do something, he wants us to have faith in what he says. Which is why at different times, he's had different things that man has had to do. Because man, God has had to bring man along progressively. We tend to think of ourselves as smart, and, and we can just take all this in. Look, man's still trying to figure out and understand why God does what he does, and still has a hard time And God has progressively brought us along, and I've used this example before. Which of us teaches our children algebra? Algebra, I can't even say it. Algebra (laughs) without teaching them arithmetic. God brings man along, And, and that's what we see with progressive revelation. And so, there's no wonder. That at one time there was this expectation and this expectation. When my child was a child, my expectation was, "Don't please don't touch the stove. It's hot. But then as they got to school, it was, do your homework. Is it really that odd that God has treated us like children? And so, anyway, if I digress there a little bit. And so I understand that he wants one thing from us. Uh, he wants us to have faith in what he says. And in verse 13... Paul's pointing out that the promise to be heir of the world, that promise to Abraham, to be heir of the world came not through, meaning the result of the law. That's not what it came from. That thing that Abraham was promised was not through or because or or for him doing the law. It was by, as it says here, promise. It was by faith. And Paul says the same thing in Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 verse 18. Galatians chapter 3 verse 18. And and, and again, if you have trouble remembering Scripture, sometimes I have memory remembering Scripture, One thing to remember whenever when Paul's talking about the law and how you shouldn't be trying to follow law, remember the book of Galatians. Remember what Paul said to the Galatians. Oh, ye foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Remember that. Paul deals with the law in a great detail in the book of Galatians. So usually, if you're thinking of something as it relates to the law, you can probably find it in Galatians. Galatians 3.18, he says, For if the inheritance be of the law... It's no more a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. And so you can see here, again, that this idea that it's not through the law, it's not because of doing the law, it has nothing to do with the law, it's because of promise. And we also know that the law, um, because Paul's point here is, 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 you know, as he's talking about in verse 13, keep your finger in Galatians, because we're going to go back there, but go back to Romans because let's, let's not forget what Paul is talking about here. Romans 4:13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so what is that? That's the idea of righteousness that comes to us. It's not going to come to us from the law. It's not going to come to us by doing works. And look at Galatians uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Galatians 3.10-12 For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse. That does not sound like a good thing to me. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law and to do them. This is why James talks about the fact that that if you you break one law, if you don't do the whole law, you're guilty of the whole thing. This is why Jesus talked about the whole thing. Because if you're under the law, The Mosaic law. You're also under the curse of the law. Verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in his sight or in the sight of God. He says it's evident. For the just shall live by faith. And that's an Old Testament scripture reference. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. And so, again, the law can't justify. The only thing the law can do is what? Condemn. It's the only thing the law can do. We've got an attorney in the house, and you go to court. You're not a criminal attorney. Were you ever a criminal attorney? fence or whatever? All right, so he, he can speak to this. Somebody goes to court, and they're accused of the crime. You know, they can be declared guilty or not guilty, but, but they're there to be brought up on a charge of guilt the law can only declare you guilty and so you know it's it's the purpose of the law is to not come, for people to come before the judge and say you know hey declare me innocent the, the the law going before the judge is to declare you guilty that's what it's for does that make sense is 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 Yeah, you're innocent already. It's when you've committed the crime that the judge is there to look at the evidence to see if you're guilty.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if this even is applicable, but certainly not guilty is not the same as being
0: innocent. Exactly. (laughs) That's a good point. And so, yeah, I mean, keep in mind the law is made um, for... You know, declaring somebody guilty—that's what it's—that's what it's about. The law cannot justify, and the Bible is very clear. So let's look at some text about this. This isn't um, an unclear situation. Look at Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seven. Look at what the law is considered. Look what it's termed as. Second Corinthians three, verse seven. It says, "But if the ministration of death well that's a heck of a name for the law isn't it ministration of death written engraven and in and stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance which glory was to be done away with look at verse 9 so it's already talking about the law the ministration of death verse 9 for if the ministration of condemnation be glory. So the law is here referred to as administration of death, administration of condemnation. Look, at, go back to Romans. Look at Romans chapter five, verse twenty. It says, "Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound." You can see this, that the law was added For a reason And here we see that the offense might abound Look at Romans chapter 3 We've already been over Romans chapter 3 Verse 19 Now we know that whatsoever things the law say That sayeth to them are under the law Why? That, it, that every mouth may be stopped And that all the world may become guilty before God And so Does Paul say that the, the law is bad? No The law is not bad but the fact of the matter is is man's not going to keep the law and so the law con- condemns man. It doesn't justify man. And again, un- unfortunately, Israel lost sight of the fact and they began to have faith in their heritage through Moses, in the law, and even through the circumcision through Abraham. And they lost sight of the fact that works don't save. You have to have the faith. So, was you going to say something? Okay. And so, it was... Israel's faith in God to do what he said, the law that saved them. And so when God tells, and I've used it before, when God tells Noah, build a boat, Noah better build a boat. When God tells Abraham to get circumcised or or everyone else after him is going to be cut off, well, then he better do it. And when God tells um, the children of Israel, once they accept the, the, the covenant situation uh, under the law, when God says that you had better do this, well, they had better do that. But it was the faith, it was not the work itself that did it. By continuing in the law, Israel um, was failing. Israel again had lost fact of the faith itself. By continuing in the law, they set out to establish their own righteousness, which is exactly what Paul says in Romans 10. Turn with me to Romans 10.1. Romans 10 verse 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Well, how did they go about to establish their own righteousness? By the law. And how do we know that? Because the very next verse, verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believes. So Paul is clearly saying that the Jews, the problem, they had a zeal of God, but they were trying to establish whether they understood it or not, is not the point. The point is is by them trying to continue in the law. God at one time acknowledged faith plus works, and right now God is not acknowledging works at all. It's faith only. And by, by continuing in the works and abandoning the faith that they were supposed to have, the faith in the one that was promised, that Messiah, by abandoning that, they're trying to establish their own righteousness. And so that's what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 4. They, they're trying to set out to establish their own righteousness. Man, and the truth of the matter is, is, I don't know how many of you have come from a... a, a a background where there's been at least some level of, of hinting that um, works are required to either gain or maintain salvation. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you, George? Because there are sprinkles and hints of that all over the church. And you hear me talk about it. Back there are our offering plates. There are churches out there that teach that if you don't tithe, that you're breaking the law. That you're, that you're required to tie, That somehow that, that somehow brings more grace upon you. No. God has shed abundantly his love upon the believer in a perfect sense. There are those that are going to teach that you have to do sacraments. Sacraments is the idea that you have to do something in order to get more of God's grace. Look, Paul has, has made it abundantly clear in Ephesians that... That we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves; it's a gift of God, not of works. Why? That's right, and that's exactly what Israel found themselves caught up doing, boasting their works. You see how God brought man along in this understanding, and so man continues even today to try to, through works, earn salvations or somehow prove themselves through their works. Look. We are to do good work for God, but not because he's going to love us more, not because he's going to give us more grace or give us more blessing. It's because of what he's already done for us. That's why we do it. It's our reasonable service, is what Paul says. There's a huge difference what Paul said, what Paul says and what's, what's said in the Old Testament. Not that the Old Testament is wrong, it's just different justification justification is not for sale God wants one thing faith. it's not for sale and so it's a gift and it's a gift to only those who believe that's it and, and that's a good thing verse 16 tells us the advantage of this verse 16 in Romans here tells us the advantage of Of it being by faith. And not by circumcision or the law. Notice what it says here. Romans 4 verse 16. It says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Again, I I hinted at this before already. If it's by works. Then every single person is going to need to wonder if they've done enough works. I've talked to I've talked to enough people of different faith and different belief systems, whether it's Islam or, or or others, and you you talk to them if they if they have assurance of salvation and they don't. They don't have an assurance of salvation. But you know what? Your God wants you to have assurance of salvation. Tim,
1: not only that, but combined with how much work you've done, it's oh, I've sinned, how how further back has that taken me and how much more then do Mm -hmm. I do? So sin kind of nets it all out. uh, uh, So you just have that constant thought pattern going through
0: your head. Right. Yeah, and and so you have that again. Um, You have that weighing on you. You know, ooh, did I do enough? You know, ooh. You know, I did five five good things today, but boy, that one thing last week was really bad. You know, how many good things do I got to do to make up for that one really bad thing? Now, here's the one thing I, I, can, I can be certain of. God never left man wondering where he stood with him. The Jew knew exactly. If he followed the law, this is why Paul says that as touching the law, I was perfect, he says. Now, Paul's not suggesting that he was you know, you know, fulfill the law perfect like Jesus Christ. But whenever Paul needed to do something uh, under the law, he had to, he did it. There was there was a means in which which man's sin, the Jews' sin, could be covered until the day that the Messiah came. They didn't fully understand how all that worked, but there was a means for for righteousness to be to come through the law. But like I said, they they didn't fully understand how all that worked and. And it's going, to be, it's going to be amazing, I think, you know, again, back to my book, Tim, on the things to ask when I get to heaven, is to really try to get Paul to elaborate on his aha moment. You know, because he was the one going around persecuting people who followed Christ. And then we know that he met the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. And we know that, you know, obviously, Paul was a pretty smart guy. He, he went to the... You know, greatest teacher of the day, and, and um, was, was probably pretty smart. But then he spends three years in Arabia, being taught by the Lord, and in in. So even though Paul understood how all of these things came together, the law and righteousness, Abraham, and and, and even Sarah versus, um, uh, what was, Hagar. Uh, Hagar? Thank you, Hagar. How all that stuff worked? You know, I don't think like all of a sudden God. Jesus downloaded that through a jump drive into his brain. That he got it all. I think that he was taught by Jesus, and I'm, I'm sure there was mo- moments where he was like, oh, I didn't get all that." I can't wait to talk to Paul and find out how that moment was—that aha moment, those aha moments for him, and how all of this worked. But here we have this, this understanding from him how this stuff worked. But understand that you, as you and you and I, we can, we should have full assurance of salvation. And again, I believe that anybody of all times could have had full assurance. Whether that was in doing the law, whether that was following the command to to repent and be baptized, whatever the case may be, you could have full assurance. Because I don't think God left a man without a witness. I don't think God left a man in such a way where they had reason to doubt. If God said, you've got to do it this way, that's what it was. Colossians 2, verse 12 says, talking about the believer. Buried with him in baptism. Baptism has to do with identification. Baptism is not about getting wet. Getting wet baptism is one type of baptism. There are many other types of baptism. Our baptism, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is a spiritual baptism. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. So we are identified with Christ. And guess what? If Christ is righteous, then then that's how we put on his righteousness. And so buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive with him Heaven forgiving you some of your sins or some of your trespasses. No. All. Oh, you've been forgiven all your trespasses. Which means we can have full assurance of salvation. By faith we have this. You want to depend on the works or the law, you will never actually know. Because I can promise you, it's kind of hard to perform the law, the sacrifice system when there is no temple today. So to be honest with you. Well I'm not going to go there. Go back to your text in Romans chapter four. So here Paul is going to get into, and and I probably spent way too much time on the preceding three verses. Um Paul's going to talk about the father of many nations with Abraham. Now this has caused a lot of confusion in the church because of, uh, you've heard the term of replacement theology. And if you haven't, the idea there is the church, the body of Christ has replaced the nation of Israel. And this is one of the sections of scripture that people use to try to to suggest that. They believe that. And because it says that he's the father of many nations and it talks about him being our father. so, So somehow because... Abraham was the father of of the Jews he was the father of the nation of Israel you know the Jews always referred to him as father Abraham well Paul here says that he's our father there's this idea now that we've somehow taken over for the nation of Israel God is done with the nation of Israel we've replaced Israel and we've taken all of the good things and they people who say this conveniently forget all the curses that came to the nation of Israel and, and to be honest with you, you can't take one without taking the other. And so uh, there's this idea of um, believers today is the new Israel. And I would, I would warn you, I, I would caution you into believing that, and I would caution you into, into, into um, you know, really accepting that in, in, on any level. Replacement theology is wrong, and it cannot be true. And we know that, again, from the book of Romans. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Look at verse 25 through 30. It cannot be. Replacement theology, the idea that we have replaced Israel, simply is not an option. Romans 11, starting in verse 25, he says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness, in part, has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So we see here, just from this verse, that there's a blindness on the nation of Israel, and that blindness is until a set period of time. We don't understand how or when that's going to end, but guess who does? God does. Now, we can also deduce from Scripture that that's going to end, you know, as far as, you know, God working with the nation of Israel once the rapture happens. And so here we see blindness has happened to Israel until the completeness of the Gentiles become in. Verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. But notice these next few words, as it is written. Well, wait a minute. The way that it's written in the Old Testament Scripture is the nation of Israel is going to be saved and the the Messiah is going to come out of of Zion. The the Messiah is going to come to Jerusalem to save Israel. And that's what this this is referring to. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Notice what Paul is doing. He's using God's covenant promise to say that it's going to happen again. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. So he's obviously not talking about the fact that, see, Israel can be saved now. He's, he's, Paul is util, using this, this covenant promise, talking about a future day in which all of Israel will be saved, in that day when they shall be saved. Mm-hmm.
1: We basically have the one that's under different amounts of the law as a progressive. And then it stopped at Calvary. Correct?
0: No. So it stopped with Paul. It, it stops whenever whenever it God institutes a new new revelation, okay. a mystery, yeah. So
1: it stops with Paul. And at that point, then, the error the from Abraham
0: is through is faith and grace. Right. And then, in in, in
1: uh, when we get to the James and John and the, the Jewish uh, epistles and get into Revelation, then that's when it's picked back up again, where the heirs come through Abraham. Even Gentiles will come through the Jewish nation at that point, right?
0: Kinda. Let me let me give you a quick breakdown, and, and so I gave
1: you a chance for a lot of rabbit holes.
0: He did, which is dangerous. Um, Think of it like this. God had a program for the nation of Israel, and when God makes a promise, as Paul's saying here, God keeps his promises. God is not a man that he should repent, is what Scripture says, right? What is repent? Change his mind. God did not change his mind about the nation of Israel. He did not say, oh, I tricked you. I promised it to you, but I'm going to give it to them. He didn't say, you know, I kind of reconsidered here. He's not a man that he should repent. Paul is saying that as God promised, it's going to happen. And how it was promised was back there. God had this special people, this nation of Israel. God had a program. That program was to bring about a king. That king came on the earth. He died, which he had to die. And there was this offer of the kingdom in early in early Acts. Peter makes the offer of the kingdom. Guess what? The nation of Israel rejects their king. When they reject their king... This is when Paul talks about the fact that you Gentiles had no hope. Because what was a Gentile's hope? A Gentile's hope was to only be saved through the rising of the nation of Israel. That's what the Old Testament talked about. It was never through the fall of Israel. It was through their rising. The only way a Gentile could be saved is if they came to God the way God said, and God said that you had to come to me through the nation of Israel. And so... The promises to Israel are those are going to be sure, sure. But but Israel rejected that. And God had this mystery, this thing that he had hidden before the foundations of the world, this thing that he told nobody. Nobody. Unless God doesn't mean what he says. and He says it was a mystery hidden. And he says, but now revealed. And so what happens? The people of Israel, they reject. They don't believe. So God lays down the mystery. He had the trump card that nobody knew about. And he brings about and he saves the apostle Paul and it is then when the law gets done away with. Let's let's not forget that Paul has to go back in Acts chapter 15. He's got to go back and argue with Peter. He's got to go, really, really argue with Peter, but he's got to go back and argue with the, 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 the apostles there that look, my message is that you're saved apart from circumcision. You're saved apart from the law. And they had to consider it. Why? Because they didn't understand that the law was done. That message was given to Paul. And so, to answer your question without going through too many rabbit trails, what Paul is also revealing is that what what Israel didn't comprehend, which would include Paul until it was revealed to him, is that because the promise went all the way back before the law, because it went back before the circumcision and it went all the way back to Abraham that meant that Abraham could be the father of all this other branch that was by faith only but if you notice go back to Romans verse 12 chapter 4 verse 12 notice he's not just the father of them that believe by faith he's also the father of them of the circumcision there's two branches Romans 4:12. And the father of circumcision to them who were not of the circumcision only, but also of the, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. And so you have Abraham is the father of those who came through the line of circumcision, and he's the father of those who came before the circumcision, who came by faith only. So you have the two different lines, and that's what Paul is trying to reveal here in, in Romans chapter four. So
1: basically. Abraham has heirs when he was uncircumcised, and
0: he has heirs when he was circumcised. He has heirs when he was circumcised. Yes, we are children, as Paul continually says, by faith. We're the children of Abraham. And and by that, we're the children because of his salvation by faith before. Before the law, before the circumcision, all that kind of stuff. And so that is our connection to Abraham. That doesn't make us Israel, because guess what? Israel wasn't going yet. If our branch extended within that line that Israel's did, which was after circumcision, then we would be part of that group. But it's not. Paul takes us back to before that. And well, so our branch comes from even before. In my mind,
1: it's much easier to understand that if you, look at the, if you look at it from the perspective that Abraham had children of, of his faith only on circumcision lifetime and of, his, and of his... Well, that's
0: exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, don't. yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And it so think of it literally as that. Abraham here and you've got one branch that comes up here right. and that's that's by faith and then later in Abraham's life he has another branch that comes, and that's through circumcision. Keep in mind, he even had those after. You know, um, you had Ishmael. You know, you you had those who then still weren't even part of the promise, and they were part of the circumcision. They still weren't part of the promise. Wow. It also just shows that God was never a
1: respecter of persons,
0: and that you know He always had a plan for everybody. Always had a plan for everybody. That's 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 a great point. Um, go back to Romans real quick, verses eleven, because I'll, I'll we'll pick up on the Romans and the fatherhood issue next week. But I do want to finish this point that it can't be replacement theology. We cannot have been grafted into Israel. That is that is not true, and that's not what that what Paul is talking about. This here, Romans eleven, is talking about the nation of Israel. So verse twenty-eight is concerning the gospel. They who is they Israel. Are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election they are beloved for the father's sake. Why? Why is that the case? I love I love these little when I was a kid I did not pay attention in language class. I hated language. You guys who who remembers Conjunction Junction, that show? Schoolhouse Rock. I couldn't didn't learn a single thing from that, but I knew the jingle. I wish I'd have paid attention. We got this little conjunction for. What does it mean? It means because. It says as touching the election. They are beloved. Because of the father's sake. Because. The gifts and calling of God. Are without him changing his mind. In other words. The promises to Israel are sure. And they are without. God changing his mind. And so. As he goes on here, verse, verse 34, As you in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Understand that in order to have mercy upon all, God had to set the nation of Israel aside. Why? Because you didn't have a covenant. You didn't have a promise. Your, your means of salvation was to come through the nation of Israel. And guess what? Israel no longer accepted their role and responsibility to do that because they denied their Messiah. They became ineligible, which left us in a hopeless situation. But Paul says, don't be haughty. Don't be haughty about it. So does that make any sense? Hope it makes sense. No, he's talking about the idea again. This, I, I think that, again, we, we, even back then there was this idea that Israel was now lost and couldn't be saved. That Israel was no longer going to receive their promises. And, and I would imagine there was probably even some that thought that they, that they couldn't be saved at all. Um, and I think that Paul is talking about the idea here that no, Israel will be saved. That Israel shall be saved. Because there's a promise God made a covenant with the nation of Israel And, and God Sometimes we for, On this side Of, of You know of, of doctrine We forget of all the times God specifically told the nation I'm going to do this And you can count on it I'll keep my word He says it over and over and over That I'm going to do this And so I think Paul is Paul is driving home the point here that they are going to be saved and that we as in Gentiles we shouldn't we shouldn't think of ourselves um, as though, you know, we've earned this, we deserve this. No, God had literally set he God literally put Israel in the same place the Gentiles were, back in the Tower of Babel, and he concluded all in unbelief, so that he could have mercy upon all. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay, we'll pick up, like I said, next week, talking a little bit more about the whole the aspect of, of uh, the father of many nations. Although I think we, we did a pretty good job of talking about that, but if you have any questions on that, we can we could talk, about, talk about that some more.